Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Hello, young adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I interview Cecilia Shovel. Now, this is a little bit different because what Cecilia does is she wants to start her own podcast. And this is based on a book um, she's written. And we actually start out to find out that she was just about done with her book and it got stolen. No backup copy, no nothing. And what she's amazing about is she's amazing about working with people as a spiritual psychologist. Working with what she has, she's the founder of a company called Blissipline of Blissiplined Soul Coaching. And it's a very niche style coaching where she does what she works with the most intense style of grieving. So um, death and and ailments and grief. And she works with people to process those emotions in, in a very healthy and cathartic way. And so part of this was understanding her journey um, from how she got to how she got into that space and then her interest into starting a podcast. And so it was a really fun talk with her. And I think you're gonna get a lot out of this and her journey and I think she's got a lot of wisdom in her. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce Cecilia. Hey, Cecilia, thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, Dylan. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Um, so we got introduced by a mutual friend and uh, you were interested in starting your own podcast. And so we started rapping for a little bit, just kind of talking about the insides of what I do and what it look like and all that jazz. And I figured one of the best ways um, uh, for us to, you know, talk about you starting your podcast is actually by doing a podcast and talking about your own hero's journey uh, that led up to this. So um, I'd love it if you could kind of give a little bit of a background of kind of who you are and what led you up to your interest in starting a podcast. Ooh, there's a lot. Um, yeah, so shout out first to John Chi because he did, he is definitely the one who brought us together and he's such an amazing human being. And um, I had mentioned to John that um, I wanted to turn my book into a podcast. And so John and I met at the University of Santa Monica. And I, I ended up going to school at the University of Santa Monica by way of heartbreak um, and multiple heartbreaks. So in our experience of class, yeah. we get to write a sacred yes project that is the culmination of our time um, spent. Like what out of this experience, you know, besides all the skills and everything, like what beauty gets to be born into the world. And so I chose to write a book and um, my book in the process of writing the book, I thought I had had the book like all the way out and then my car got broken into and the book got stolen no. and I had written, <laughs> you can't make it up. <laughs> like, we're like halfway through the year and, no and my, I went, no, because you know what? I, I love pen and paper. I'm a pen and paper kind of girl. Yeah. And I had written and torn and I, I also do a writing practice where like, if it's not working, I burn it to alchemize it. And so, you know, there's pages here and pages there, but I had literally 
like finished the book essentially and was ready to start typing it into my brand new Mac book pro that I had just bought myself. I was all excited and I got spontaneously invited to go on this hike um, in one of the canyons here by my house. And so um, I just put my bag in the back like I've done a hundred times before and I went on the hike. And when I came back, the whole side of the car was smashed. They like smashed in, smashed it in and they took my bag and in my bag, I had just come that like before that invitation, I had been working with this woman um, who's the social photog, she's amazing, in creating a package to like put together to deliver what would be my book. And we had gone all the way through the whole experience and it's like, you know, I'm so excited and then it's stolen. So it's like, I'm at the high of the high only to come down to the low of the low. And I had the biggest breakdown over the book because I have nothing to show, right? Like, it's like, start over again. So you, I don't know if you've ever tried to write a book, but the iterations of writing a book. Yeah. No, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, I published a book uh, back in the day. Um, actually, I haven't really talked too much about, but it was an, it was an automation call, like how to automate way of freedom. But I was so embarrassed about actually putting the title out. I didn't want to have anybody know it was me who wrote it. So I named, I put it under the pin name Ooh. of my dog. So it was a TD Falcor, <laughs> dog Falcor. So that went out there as a, it was kind of my, one of the first attempts at writing a book. But um, basically. And now everybody knows. <laughs> on to it. They're going to go find out. It's, it's, this was a long time ago. I don't know oh, if you I can know about you. access it. I know, I know. <laughs> a dog didn't write this book. Um, and yeah, uh, <laughs> but I love the humor in that, right? Like, because <laughs> the writing of the book is a dog's life. It really is. It's a whole thing. You really got to commit yourself to it. And you got to like, it's like, it's like giving a piece of yourself. Like, I mean, you were literally, you know, through alchemy, uh, time, putting the time into the situation. It's a piece of you that you have, you have, you have, you know, I will invest hundreds of thousands of hours to make this thing. And then when it, when you lose it, it's almost like, when something like that happened, you kind of pause, like that couldn't have possibly happened. That's impossible, you know? And, and Oh, I stood there in the parking lot, like, oh my God, is the window really broken? Like, is that, am I really seeing that? It was like a pinch me kind of moment. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, I was in a lot of emotional pain on that experience. And it's so funny because it happened like when the book got stolen it was over a year ago but i literally just got a call from the phoenix police like the 16th of july just to let me know that they're following up with me now this just happened and to let me know that they haven't found my my laptop or any of my my goods that i reported stolen which i i mean i had kissed it goodbye but when i stood in class to share because you share where you are in your project Wow. And um, anyway, one of uh, our really beautiful facilitators said, you know, the book will come back to you. And so I, I felt like in that call that that was like the tie up to that particular part, because now I'm right here. And, you know, I'm a spiritual psychologist and I come gifted in, in the ways of my knowing and there's been a shift. So the book isn't necessarily something that's um, 
I think it's more about the content of the book that the content of the book gets to live in the world. Doesn't necessarily have to be in a book format. Yeah, I've, I've often seen that like when you go through something and someone knocks down your sandcastle, you know, the, the chance to rebuild it, it almost gives you a chance to really, you know, all the learns that you took, you can reapply it, move over it better, stronger, you know, faster, uh, more meaningful. And so every time you got to do it, it's going through the process again and again and again. So I've, I've had those sands. I've had my uh, uh, three years in a row. I've never had my car broken into, but three years in a row, almost every year, someone breaks into their, my car or a friend's car and they steal my laptop and my journal and just, just all this. And it's happened each year. And so now I, I try to leave nothing in the car at all because it, um, Again, it's a, it's a piece of you, and you don't realize how attached you are to the technology and, and everything else. But I, I want to touch on something. You, you said mm. you're a spiritual psychologist. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, in my healing journey, and you know, we're talking about the journey. So what leads me to being a spiritual psychologist was the healing I was doing before that, which was around sexual abuse and assault and um, really getting in touch with my true feminine nature and not any of the um, misidentifications or misunderstandings that I had adopted in my youth and in my growing up. So um, I started at the School of, of Womanly Arts in New York City, which is Regina Thomas Howard's work. And while I was there, I met this woman and meanwhile, I've already applied to go back to school because I knew I wanted to go back to school. I just wasn't clear about what I wanted to study. Um, I am an interior and textile designer by trade, but it's it's my it's like my second gift. It's not my first gift, if that makes any sense. I mean, we all come in with lots of gifts. Yeah. And, um, you know, not to be... Um, discouraged by it, I... Uh, went ahead and applied at the, at the new school of interdisciplinary studies. I get accepted. And now I'm in New York finishing up this chapter of the school of womanly arts. And I meet this woman and her name is Lindsay Patterson. And Lindsay's like, before you go there, you know, I just have this keen sense just to mention to you to check this out, like look into this for yourself. And so, um, it turns out that I take a call. I just called the enrollment office essentially. And I was like, I met this woman and she said that this is the thing. And I, I, we just started having this conversation and something in me moved. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where there's just like inside of you. And I was like, okay, well, this is where I got to do. I, I just, I don't know how it all works. And I, and it's in LA and I live in Arizona and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, well, if I can do New York, I can do LA, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> so I said yes to it. And, and then I just started. Well, that's beautiful. Okay. So then that was the evolution of, of, um, <clears throat> A lot of times, like our greatest suffering becomes some of our greatest sources of strength. You know, as, as unfortunate as those things are, you, you, you really so true. 
you can take it and leverage it and it kind of opens you up to new experiences. And now that, that whole, I'm really fascinated with that internal voice, that, that voice that you know to be truer than the other voices that you get inside of you that says, this is it, this is the thing, go this way, you know, do this. And so that's really interesting that you, you were able to tune into it. And it's very mm. difficult to say, oh, this is exactly what it is. And this is how it fits into this box. It doesn't seem to do that. You just, it's like knowing, right? It doesn't fit in the box. Yeah. So you took, you took that, you took the, the. Uh, it's the divine knowing. Uh, the divine knowing, the divine knowing. So you've been able to leverage this. It's and the divine of knowing. That's right. Where it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. yeah so um, it's interesting. I think um, my particular education, I had a misidentification in, the, um, in myself and a belief that I wasn't important and I didn't matter and um, how I felt didn't matter. And so um spirit, which is what I call God, um, or just the knowing of God, the spirit within the soul consciousness of me, gave me an opportunity in um, last summer when we were creating our completion. One of the classmates that I stayed with had a sudden cardiac event. And it was just the two of us and I got to give her PR for 20 minutes until the paramedics could like get there, get in the building. And it was interesting because it was like everything I had lived in my life up until that, all of the, I'm gonna use these words on purpose. Um, in transition, but I'm gonna skip it. Things like internal, um, the, um, I lost a little bit of the beat. Um, the connection's a little unstable. Um, okay. It's okay. Uh, but you were saying, uh, can you please just say it again? Do you hear what I said about? All I, all I heard was you were going to use I said words. I would. I was going to use these words. The, the, the words on purpose I was going to say were trauma. Or sorry, terror. Mm -hmm and the energetics of trauma. Mm. Um, and then like fear encompassing those things, but how I know them on, in my, on my cellular memory of the body, mm. on the cellular memory of the body, as it relates to how energy runs in the body. So it was like, um, being conscious to these things and then also to being incredibly calm because it was the calmness, the space in between what was happening, this space in the middle of the other things that were on top of that and still being able to um, act. Now, are you, are you specifically talking about the time? So what we're, we're referencing is the, the person that you were with um, they had a cardiac mm -hmm. issue and then you did you were working on them for 20 minutes. And, and so while there is a, a situation of terror and trauma going on, you were able to kind of maintain that calm and peace and that, and keep that separation of being able to act, um, with kind of a lasered focus, but calmness, but without being driven into the area of the terror and the trauma. 
Exactly. And, and literally like, this is like internal equanimity, knowing that no matter how, this is like the eye of the storm, you know, that could be happening anywhere at any time. And it was interesting for me because when I started to like investigate um, and look at what, what has happened previous in my life, I had noticed, you know, a couple years ago, I was on a plane to Frankfurt and a man had a heart attack and he was sitting right next to me. And on the same trip on the way home, there was another woman who had an epileptic event right next to me, like in the chair next to me. And so it's like the universe has been telling me that I'm the holder of a certain kind of peace in the world, <laughs> a peace, a calmness. Um, that is, it's a gift, like that's a gift to be able to be the presence of love and peace in a moment where it's life and death. And, and just being in, in recognition and in service to love and peace in the world. That's beautiful. And that's a very um, intense responsibility to have and hold is to actually, you know, be able to facilitate situations where, so there's a life threatening situation or something goes along that and being able to sit with that and being able to um, connect with somebody without being overtaken by the emotions. And so that, that's right. That balance of being. I love that you said that word. Hmm. I love that you said emotions because um, emotions, the word emotion. So there's this, um, there's a distinction between emotion and feeling. Our feelings are what connect us to our divinity and our emotions are what are coded by man. So, you know, I think I have to feel this particular way because I saw somebody react like that. So that's the reaction I'm supposed to have in this experience. And this is where like the ego mind is, is, is in charge, if you will, and has control over my, my action. Whereas if I am in, in an internal process, if I'm internal in the process, it's my divinity that can guide me one way or the other. It's not in the front seat driving the conversation. Does that make sense? It, it, it does to a degree. That's the first time I've heard, though, uh, a separation between emotions and feelings. And so, I, I mean, I did it com I completely by accident. But you're saying that the emotions is something that's kind of labeled and predetermined and something that is just happens to us, while the feeling is something that, that we consciously choose and connect to our divinity through. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. And, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm saying, I had to think about that because you said it a little quick, so I was trying to process um, yes, because when we're little, you know, when we're little, we look to our peers and we look to our parents and it's like, well, how are they doing what they're doing? And we're emulating, see, our, our models of behavior, if you will, our models of behavior, our models of behavior for a reason. And then there's what we make up about those models of behavior for ourselves. And that's how patterns get set, belief systems and paradigms get structured and um, free thinking, or not free thinking, but more um, free feeling. Because again, we're seeing with our eyes, but not feeling with our hearts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like 
we we see what the people are doing around us and we try to lay our own stories on top of that and said, oh, the reason why they do that is because of X. The reason why they do that is because of Y. But we really don't, really truly don't know. We're just, we're just matching and modeling the patterns of behavior that we see around us and then kind of taking our own internal situation and saying, oh, okay, that's, that person talked to that person that way because of this. And that's, and that's, it's not entirely true, but it's kind of the best way for us to kind of relate to the world. It's not. Yeah. Or we might get scared when we're little and then like it becomes a fear pattern. Like if your mom raises your vo her voice to you when you're little or they act a certain way and you notice that you get a different reaction, say, for example, if they're not drinking, for <laughs> when they're not drinking, they're kind versus when they are drinking, you try to be good, good when they are drinking so that you can have the same results as when they're not drinking. So it's like the thinking gets tilted. A hundred percent. And you don't realize when they, when they sneak in on you, there's a, there's an example. Um, uh, someone no. said, so the, uh, one of the examples when you, when you're looking at uh, recently is if uh, you know, older people, if they actually, if you go and you see them get ice cream, like out by a park, one of the things that they'll do typically is they'll go get an ice cream and a lot of them will have a tendency to go and sit down to go eat it. They go find a park bench and sit down and go eat it. And they don't even realize that mm -hmm. when they go and get ice cream, they go to a park bench and sit down to go eat it. And the reason being is the people that go and do that, uh, the parents, traditionally, the way that they would actually use ice cream was as a method to control the child's behavior. And so they'd say, okay, you guys are all wild. I'll tell you what, we'll get ice cream, but we got to sit down and eat it so the parents can relax. And so those kids were always conditioned with the thought process of ice cream, be good. sit down, <laughs> eat it, right? And so they get the ice, they're like, yeah, I'll just be mm -hmm. good, sure, I'll just sit down and eat it. But it becomes such a condition that you don't even know why you do it. You just realize that when I do X, Y is associated and just it just becomes this, this basically un, un, unknowing filter of actions. Unconscious. Unconscious, yeah. Well, how do you That's like- That's right, complete unconscious action. One thing that you said that I was curious about is you talked about uh, recognizing a sense of like unworthy and unacceptance. And it was a misidentification. How does, how did one, how did yeah. you become aware of something like that? And then how, how would people become aware of these misidentifications of their, of these um, uh, labelings of themselves? Well, that's such a juicy question. Thank you for asking it. I, um, if I heard you correctly, what you're asking me is, one, how did I identify my own pattern of unworthiness and um, what, was, what was it to the misidentification and the labeling of it? And two, how would somebody become aware of something like that? Yep. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, so for me, um, ooh, man. So my sister died of a heroin overdose in 2012. And in that experience, I, I had what I know now to be a nervous breakdown. But I didn't know I was having a nervous breakdown um, because I was too busy trying to fake my feelings through the experience and, <laughs> and doing my level best to um, just keep up the normal, my normal behavior. But like I, in my body felt so terrible um, 
that I started seeing this doctor um, and his name's Dr. Pete Pinto. He's actually a chiropractor. Before I was seeing him, I was seeing what I would call my mentor because I was ashamed to say that I had a therapist who I had started seeing the year prior because my stepfather had died. And so it was like I had these double deaths, like back to back within a year of each other. And each one had its set of consequences. And the first consequence of the first death was like um, not having any language to put to the experience I was having, which was I can label now as like an over-responsibility in my family and in my family structure. If there's a problem at that particular time or something needed to be handled, I was the one to call because I know how to do it all, right? Like I've been doing it for a long time in my doing, not in my being, different things. So um, it was becoming conscious to um, how I was avoiding my own self was by being in the doing and that was a way for me to avoid my feelings and, and being in my doing meant doing what I was told. So if I'm a good girl, which is like the identity that I had taken on, um, then I'm going to get married before I have sex with my husband to have children, right? Like there's like a whole doctrination that goes with that. And um, you're meant to, marry the right kind of guy and here's the checklist and like I'm doing it all right but what I woke up to after my sister dies a year later and there were already breaks in the experience um, I was married for just under 20 years to an amazing guy I mean I did marry a, an amazing guy and we are very good friends to this very day. I don't know how you would be married for 20 years and not be good friends. Um, I mean, well, I, I, knew, I do know how, and I choose not to. I don't choose that route. Um, and it was the absolute understanding that I was not happy with my choices. Me. I was not happy with my choices. And then when I started asking myself what, what was up with all of this it was me i was the problem it's not the situation that was the problem i was the problem so i started asking a set of different kind of questions and essentially um what it came down to is that i wasn't being honest i wasn't being honest i wasn't being um uh, i'm gonna call it i wasn't being passionate and i wasn't being connected which if I'm not those three things, I'm actually not myself. If I'm choosing dishonesty and I'm choosing to be apathetic and I'm choosing to be disconnected, I'm actually not being my, my natural effervescent self. And um, that was proving to be true in my life because after Dessa died, I just became a recluse. I, I mean, I used to be out in the world in a very big way and all of a sudden I just came inward because I was imploding. It was an implosion. <laughs> Nothing was working. The relationship wasn't working. My family wasn't working. Nothing was working. And it was my doing. So it was like, okay, if this is what's the deal, then how do I, get, who do I get to be now? Um, and then that led down just this really um, brutal 
and beautiful. I mean, <laughs> experience of the last five years, it's been a nation, you know, of like falling and getting back up and falling and getting back up. And, and in the meantime, you know, my business has gone through like this crazy transformation and one transformation after the other transformation after the other transformation. And then how do you do all that and still keep your family intact? Because ultimately my family is very important to me. And I still get to be in the equation when I'm creating and formulating. Whereas before I was letting my ego run the thing called life and leaving my soul out of the experience. So it's been quite the coming home. <laughs> so if I could just reflect back a bit, um, yeah. So, and then just just a little bit of clarity is um, when when Dessa passed, was that when you had a reflective moment of nothing's working, and then looking at your relationship and yourself and everything else? Was that the moment, or were they, did one happen before the other, or um, trying to see the timeline? A timeline. So the timeline went, my stepfather passed away. Step and I started to look at, I started to look at why my relationship in my family of origin wasn't working. <laughs> and in the, and looking at the family of origin, then I got to look at, then Dessa dies. And I was like, oh no, it's not just the family of origin. It's me. Mm. So there, it was like this collective. And then there was the part where I wanted to be numb to the responsibility that I had to myself. Mm. Okay. Okay. So then, okay. That, that makes sense. When I was, when I was thinking about what's really interesting is that you take a perspective of it was my fault, which is a very powerful perspective to take. I mean, everything in balance, but you look at that, that thing and you say, everything's not working and it's all associated with me. And if I, if I want any of this to get I'm better, a common denominator, yeah, I, I <laughs> all of these pieces involve me not being happy and, and it's plugged into all these, these different equations. That whole thing about, um, there's this weird thing that goes on where, where people, we all need to like, we want to be honest, right? We want it. We, we thoroughly want to be completely authentic, but also at the same time, we, we want to be accepted. We want that. We want to please accept me. Please bring me into your tribe. Please do these things. At the same time, please right. know my real self. But you don't, between harmony and truth, is this teeter totter balance. And, and until you really shed those weights of saying, look, who, judge me for who, you, who I am. It's fine. I don't care. You kind of came out of your own closet, for lack of a better term, and said, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And once you had that honesty, you had that room to kind of then, then, you know, give your soul permission to seek what it desires, which is uh, a different type of lifestyle, a different type of passion, a different type of everything that you do, right? And that's kind of what kind of led you the, the first having the bravery to be honest with yourself, honest with other people, then opened up room for you to kind of step into your new power. Is that kind of what was going down? Yeah, and it kind of went, um, it more went like being honest with myself about what I really wanted and how I really wanted it. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I remember like shouting at the top of my lungs, like, I want a divorce. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in my family. I've been married the longest out of anybody in all of their marriages, however many marriages there have been. And so, you know, from the outside, when we told people that we were getting divorced, people were like, what? You guys are so happy. And, you know, I mean, because we were good at the doing part of relationship, not so much about the being part of relationship. We're like, you're free to go and do and be who you want to be in the world. And I'm here holding the sacred space and vessel for you to like, go do that while you're creating what you're creating in the world. Our relationship was not like that. It was like, I'm in competition with you and you're in competition with me. And it was like, we were one upping, upping each other the whole way, even down to the dishes. I mean, it was insane. And it was all getting done. (laughs) (laughs) He was in his career moments and I'm in my career moments and we've got these children and, you know, doing the whole parenting thing and baseball. And, and it was like so crazy because we were so unhappy. Would, would that be, and I, and I might individually, be off, I might be off base here, but is, is it something along the lines of what's popping in my head? It's kind of like a competition over martyrism. Like who can be a better martyr? Like I'm oh. doing all of this. I'm doing all of this. No, I love I'm, it. I'm suffering more. No, I'm suffering more, but you weren't really, you guys. Were and you do off. it for the family. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will, I will out suffer you, you. You think you put in 12 hours? Why? Well, the family. So is that, was that what was going on? Something like that? Yeah, you know, without without saying those words, that's exactly what it was. It was like covert martyrdom at its like finest. And yeah. we're all we're all we're it's a bloody mess because we're all we were both throwing ourselves on the sword of unhappiness that we you know, these are patterns of patterns that, you know, back to that model of behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then you just change your spouse. You don't actually fix what's wrong in your relationship. You don't do the work internally. They'll have the relationship you want. So I tell people that I found love and devotion and divorce. Mm-hmm. And that's true for me because yeah, it's powerful. And people are like, aren't you guys going to get like back together or something? Like they don't get it. And I'm like, no, he was like my lesson, like my largest lesson. Oh, my head is tingling it's so hot. Um, <laughs> yeah because it's beautiful like it's the most beautiful I have a really beautiful relationship I call him the husband and I just um I have so much respect and love and care and you know support for him there's nothing I wouldn't do for him and not from the martyred perspective but from the loving perspective yeah and that different space yeah, and so when you, the original, one of the questions I was asked you is about how you recognize the, the you misappropriated the, the, the um, unaccepting, un, the, the identity that you, you found yourself to have. And so through this whole process of, um, a lot of times it, they, they call, they call um, like um, the funeral situation where when someone dies, it makes you reflect on your own life and you look at like what's going on because we have oh, yeah. temporary it is and that um definitely had those experiences with my own life and um it seems like that was like kind of a, a wake-up call for you to kind of step into this and so you took all of that power all of those lessons and also with such compassion do you have any uh, one thing is uh tips or advices around people that are looking to separate but do it in a loving way to feel to to, to be able to 
exit something gracefully, as you would say? Yeah, oh, I love that language, to exit something gracefully. Yeah, in relationship, I think um, my tip of, of advice would be to be very clear with themselves inside before they even say whatever is going to be said to the person. I think one of the things that we forget is that our, our relationships are a direct reflection of ourselves and of who we are inside. And so the thing is, is when somebody comes, comes and says the thing, and it's not necessarily about you, right? Like if they say it to you, it's not necessarily about you. However, in divorce situations, what I've noticed is that people take it personally and like, because they've made their happiness outside of them when somebody says hey I want a divorce it's not because they're saying I want the divorce but what somebody might hear is you're not good enough for me and I'm leaving you right like and so there's a misunderstanding and a misidentification even in that if we're not clear in our language and take responsibility for our own you know our own selves so I think one of the things that really supported me in my experience of, um, because I did ask Darren for a divorce and um, he told me, well, if you want it, you're going to have to file. And I was like, okay, I don't have a problem with that. And um, but he let me be responsible for my choice. You see, like in him saying, fine, you want to do this thing, you go do it, which is beautiful. Sometimes in partnerships, it can be the opposite where like I say, oh, I'd like to have, you know, this for dinner. And then the expectation is that you're going to make that for me for dinner as opposed to me make it for dinner. <laughs> that, that, there's definitely Crazy. a power in that for sure. And the um, respecting the autonomy of the situation of the people, the other person in it. And I really like what you said. It's like, this is what I want. This doesn't mean you are anything. This just means this is what I want. Right. And so we can- I want, yeah. And this is, and, and, and you know, all of us, you know, we only get, this is our, our uh, so we only get so many spins around the sun kind of thing. And it's like, if this is what you want, whatever- It's our one precious life. Yeah, whatever that might be, it, you know, being able to have the courage to speak out I want. Cause so many people like, you know, they'll they'll um, end lives of quiet desperation, mm -hmm. never actually speaking out what they want. And, and um, you know, that's right. definitely- Quiet desperation is right. Yeah. And so I was looking at oh. some people get stuck in that, especially with when it comes to relationships or jobs or any anything else. There's always some sort of um, um, thing that um, you invited in. There's a there's a great video um, that I a long time ago used to subscribe to called a. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Duncan Trussell at all. Um, no. Duncan, he's a podcaster, a little crazy, aloof gentleman. Um, friends with Joe Rogan, but he has a, a, a video that I watched a long time ago. I was, I was, I was definitely going through some suffering called kill the vampire, um, in your life. And what this, <laughs> this whole thing was, like, we all, we all in our life, um, we have these vampires and the vampires doesn't necessarily even need to be a person. It could be a, a situation or a job or something, but what it is, it's, it's something that is sucking the life energy out of you right that vampire in your life right. now that vampire in your life 
the thing about it is vampires only go where they're invited. And so whatever it is, you invited that vampire in your life. It could have been the deal you made with the work. It could have been the deal with a significant other, all those things, but they're taking your life away. And there's only two ways to get rid of a vampire. Um, one is through direct action, you know, a stake through the heart. Boom. You just direct action <laughs> done. Maybe not so physical, but more a metaphor of that. And the other one being yeah. uh, sunlight, truth, honesty. If you shed the light of truth right. directly on it, it cannot sustain and it must go away. But we, all of us have so many, we do have vampires in our life. And, you know, if you have the courage and the bravery to take that step, because again, it's not um, disaster free. Just because you take that step and you, and you do it with love and intention doesn't mean it's going to be well received, you know. And so having that courage to take that step um, gives you that sense of like heroic freedom. So exactly. And that's exactly what it was and was what was created. And, you know, Darren and I, um, he often, you know, thanks me. He's, he's thanked me more on more than one occasion for, um, you know, being the one, because I did ask him, I'm like, if, if I hadn't asked you for a divorce, you know, do you think that, you know, how do you think that would have gone and he's like well I think that we'd still be married and I was like I think I'd be dead like there'd be no way <laughs> I'm telling you I was a hot mess I'm I mean it I really do I like I, the suffering was epic and it was suffering emotionally mentally spiritually and physically it was no joke and um I'm so happy you know, I was telling him this morning, actually, in the kitchen over coffee, because um, I'm staying at his house right now. <laughs> I, I was telling him, um, he was saying, you know, I'm listening to Brene Brown's um, talk on vulnerability right now, and um, which is great if you haven't heard it. It's, it's beautiful. And, and he's like, you know, it just, I just love that we have such a beautiful space to have communication in now because we didn't have that before there's i mean we don't get uh you know no one teaches us how to talk to people right we get here here's what you need to do to oh. a person go through this thing and do the thing right it's not like the yeah from your heart and it's a it's a very different i i, I know a bit of Darren, uh Brene brown stuff I, I've, I've listened to her a couple of her audiobooks and things and she's incredible one of my favorite sayings from Brene brown um, and I love it is one of my best for it is a uh, was it soft front, strong back, wild heart. And that, that mm. soft front, strong back, wild heart kind of represents the whole of the person. Right. Can you come in softly? Can you keep a firm position? And can you, can you have the thing go? And that, that, that is. sounds like you've opened up your heart and you had that wild heart of kind of like reignite the flame of you're talking about passion um, and, and purpose and, and with, and with right. all of that, what do you, um, so you're taking all of this energy, all these life lessons and you're rolling into helping people both in, you know, in one-on-one. -on -one, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're leaning into with the podcast. Is that, uh, am I correct with that? Or how do you see all your life lessons applying to what, what you want to bring, um, as a gift well, to the, through communication? Well, I would say that um, part of what I'm up to right now is I coach people, I coach men and I coach women. And um, 
it seems to be what has come forward is uh, a couple of things in that area. So um, in and around like grieving and like the aftermath of grieving and then coaching to and through terminal illness and disease um, has been one part of my coaching process. And then the other process would be in the space of sex everybody wants more connection in that space. So it's like, it's a broad stroke. And, um, you know, today I was um, talking with one of my fellow students and, um, and, and he's also a coach and, and I was telling him that we were doing this today and he's just like, yeah, you know, you don't necessarily have to talk to people, maybe talk about your experience. And I haven't really decided if I'm going to be, doing like conversational tidbits like this or if it was more about um, writing um, uh, not necessarily writing but um, sharing some of my writing and like the lessons that I have procured and just like allowing myself to be seen and heard in a format because I've been hiding part of this is like hiding in that insignificance part and just allowing myself to be experienced without any attachment to it um you know how it looks and and all of that like not having that be the thing that like catches me up sure. if that makes any kind of sense 100 percent. it really is i mean there's never a, a one size fits all for for having a voice online some people they do you know just one-on-one -on -one communications like this which is this an in-depth conversation where you get to know someone and then we have kind of this conversation, which is one kind of value. And another type is just you saying things that are, you know, insights and revelations and lessons and stories and just whatever comes to you. And again, more than anything, it's just, it's just a lot of this, you know, there, there's one thing we all kind of armor up in life. Right. And then we have this entire, this inner voice child that goes, please yeah. accept me, please accept me. Right. And the first step is the first, let that voice speak to you, right? And maybe put that on paper. And another step would be mm -hmm. talking to friends about it. And then another step is actually going online and communicating it and hitting record and sending it out to the world. And the whole- Yeah. <laughs> but as you do that, you start to give yourself permission, right? And so the, the permission could yeah. be done through, like with me, like I don't, I don't necessarily like social media where I think of like clever posts and I post it. I love these in-depth conversations where we talk about something interesting and meaningful and, and we, we shine light into each other's lives. But at the same time, you could totally have that, this type of conversation with yourself um, and in whatever form it makes sense. So, you know, there, I don't think there's a, a right way or a wrong way um, to do it just as long as it's, 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 it's just as beneficial for the people listening as it is a cathartic experience for like us. Cause I get so much out of these kind of conversations because we, you know, in our busy life, we never stop to really allow space to reflect on these topics and talk about these things that, you know, that, that how's the weather conversation. Well, so it's, mm. yeah, they don't work. Yeah. When, especially in today's climate, you know, um, I appreciate what you're saying because it is, there's, there is this part where there's been so much that's been locked up behind doors, if you will, like the door of silence um, we have an entire, you know, um, race of people 
who haven't had the opportunity to really be heard. And that's, that's been the issue. So now it's like, okay, the issues haven't changed over, you know, however many years it's been, the issues are still the same. So it's like, there's like all these band-aids that have been put on, but like the one that's on my mouth hasn't come off yet. So um, I think for myself, I am biracial living in America. <laughs> I am re-educating myself in the vein of what it means to be a black woman living in America as a biracial woman mixed with Irish. It doesn't really get any wider than that. I'm never going to be white enough and I'm never going to be black enough. So it's like, there's a real, there's a window of opportunity. And I was sharing with, um, sharing with some of my classmates, like I understand I'm a bridge on a lot of levels and um, I happen to be alive at this particular time while all these things are happening. How do I speak love into the experience of what other people are experiencing? How do I offer encouragement? A lot of people need to be in a space of encouragement. They need, I mean, acknowledgement and words of affirmation. And I love an affirmation. <laughs> it's like, um, and, and tools. A lot of people have no tools. You know, I mean, you go to school and you get your degree and you're taught to strive and do, but there, you know, there are multiple kinds of education. And I think that we forget about self-educating what feels good inside the system that supports the spirit and the soul to soar. And instead it gets buried under book knowledge, which is great. Books are great, but only if they're taught the whole story. Like you don't get to teach me black history and leave out the part where I'm black, right? <laughs> like, it's like, that's not gonna work. <laughs> well, it's easy. Uh, Book knowledge is easy because it's it's just your your thinking mind connecting with another thinking mind. It's not the heart connecting to a heart. Yeah. And so that that no, that is, you know, you know, leaving the emotion out of the stories is 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 is, is I wouldn't even say half of the history. You know, one of my one of my favorite podcasters, Dan Carlin, a hardcore history. Um, he'll digest and process a whole bunch of like history books and then he'll rant for four hours on a podcast talking about World War II or- a four hour podcast? Like, yeah, like just by himself, by himself. Wow. Just narrating this, the history of Genghis Khan, of the French and he'll just go in it, but he'll get into it. He won't just say, you know, uh, you know, 1942, this many people died. It, it was, he, he, he reads the letters from in the trenches of the people going through the experiences. He'll dive into the stories. Oh, that's so cool. And, but that's because that's where the real, you know, if you, you give statistics, you're like, oh, those are facts. But if you talk about the, you know, the emotions of one soldier when they're feeling this, that you now have an imprint of like how that person got affected. And that's just one microcosm. And, you know, much like you are a microcosm of this global experience and in this, in the same experience that we're having currently which is uh um turbulent times we're all kind of kind of <laughs> the best way i can put it right now in in lack of a better term and you know we're all you know we can tell that there's people un people up everybody upset because there's this oppression and then there's this whole thing with fear and then injustice and 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 people are upset and we're trying to rage out because there's no other healthy outlet for us to communicate our frustrations well people people haven't been heard yes yes 
Yes. And so it's like we're all five-year-olds running around having a tantrum. Everybody's having a tantrum yeah. right now in one way or the other. And it's interesting because this whole corona experience, people are in their house and some of them are in their house with people that they don't actually like. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's like... Brutal. Yeah, you're like, oh, because you're talking about the doing versus being. Everyone's just check, checking market boxes. All of a sudden, you get stopped. Checking and you, those boxes. Yeah, you stop. You're like, oh. Now it's like, oh, yeah. Special yeah. two by four, bitch slap, boom, here it is. It's called Corona. And now you're locked up with each other. Now what? What do you got now? Yeah, yeah. You start to, you start to uh, sober up from the, the, the day's activities, and there's nothing else for you to do. You're all, you're all um, dried out on that kind of stuff. And let me ask you a question. On that same note, when yeah. it comes to, um, say, the areas of, say, like sex and relationships and communication, that I think there's going to be issues around people not being heard and trauma, and there's a lot of things to unpack there. I mean, how do you, how do you give advice to people that are going through that, that maybe love each other, that want to have a better, deeper connection, that are struggling a bit? Or what would you, what would you recommend? When, because it sounds like my guess is COVID, just being trapped in the house, Plus this creates a lot of animosity. How do you how do you flip that? And how do you how do you create more of a connection, more of a sexual connection, more more of a, an intimacy with the, with the people that you're supposed to love? I'll put it that way. Ooh, I love that. Supposed to that one. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the air quotes. Yeah. Well, one of the things I mean. Straight up, this is this is how I handle myself. Anytime I'm having an issue over there, I ask myself, where am I not loving myself? Mm. Where I'm supposed to be loving? Like, how am I not being loving to me? Because more times than not, what's happening is there's a projection at work where like, I really want something from my partner, but I'm not asking for it. And instead, I'm, I'm, I'm making it about them again with the outside experience as opposed to being in ownership of my own desire. So if it's more sex I want and I want to have a certain kind of sex, then I get to, I get to say, love, <laughs> this is what's up for me. And I would really love this experience with you. And then how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about that? Is that something that you'd be interested in giving me? And that experience, whatever it might be. And then that gives your partner, one, I'm taking ownership for what I want and how I want it, the way I want it. And then I'm opening the opportunity up for my partner. I happen to be heterosexual. So for me, it would be the man I'm with. Mm. And, and then he gets to say whether or not he wants to be the one to do that for me or not. And then I get to be okay with that because, you know, that's called respect, mutual respect he doesn't have to do everything I want him to do when I want him to do it. And also women don't have to do everything that men want them to do when they want them to do it. And the same thing goes for the man. If there's something that you want from your partner, you know, being in ownership of it, there's nothing more sexy. I'm going to tell you than like somebody who knows their mind about how they like to be touched or want the experience that they want to have and like nine times out of 10, it's always more connection. People want to feel more connected, but there's something inside of them that has them not being, you know, essentially honest and passionate with themselves to create the connection. So there's a bridge there. 
No, I think it's beautiful. And one it's thing, never outside. One thing I, I've, I've noticed in our conversation, which I think is beautiful, is you are very quick to take ownership. You're very quick. Like, your you're oh. default. Um, and, I, and I think I might title this podcast, because I always think of names in the podcast things, is ownership. Of, hot. I love it. Ownership of my own desire, you know? Um, I think... I think the ownership of my own desire is actually a really good statement, which is true. It's everything that you've talked about has been ownership of your own desire from the realization from the initial thing that gave you your power, source, and strength was you, you were dwindling yeah. on your passion and your basically self-connection. And by, uh, by yeah. taking ownership of your own desire, allowed you to open up and you keep on going through progressive states of ownership of your own, th- own desire, along with the, the conscious decoupling and then also with starting your own podcast. I mean, all this kind of steps into the same patterns of quickly to owning what is it that you want? How do you want it? Where do you want it? And then, and then being able to have the, the bravery and, and, the, and the self-compassion to ask for it versus martyrism and self-blame and judgment and, and all of that other jazz. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I hear exactly what you're saying. There was this woman, her name's Kyla Kelly. And she was making all these memes and, and um, she's so talented, like from like the 1950s when um, Trump was first coming into office of uh, um, just all these different like quick little quippy quips. And she made one for me. So there's this hottie and she's on the telephone and it says at the top, it says respond. And it says, when desire calls, I respond. And so <laughs> Respond <laughs> is responsibility, the ability to respond, right? Like we take responsibility in our response. It's not reaction. It's not reaction. There's nothing conscious about reaction, which is why what's happening in the world is is so profound right now. I think that's beautiful. It's like, yeah. what does, what's the response? So I say yes, by all means, yeah owning the desire that's right because when desire calls i and it's actually when love calls because it's some that's exactly what it is when you have desire inside and it comes from that place inside of your heart that's your that is literally like soul speak it's that's soul speak it's like you're being called forward and it's how do i meet that that was my question today like i was like how do i meet this experience and it's like meet it exactly where it's at without making it any more or any less just holding in the because honestly Dylan this experience for me is um is part of the uh, uh the reordering of something that got so mixed up at around age six for me it's profound while it might seem like a small conversation it's it's taken me a long time to be here right now yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think uh, for us all, we all have these original incidences mm-hmm. of trauma and drama that goes on that then keeps perpetuating throughout life. And we have to constantly and consciously un- like disarm and disengage and be able to find our, our kidneys yeah. again so that we can, we can fully connect with other people. Because once having, you know, being our able kidness. to- kidness. Kidness. I just came out so the i love it being able to play with other people in a playful way right and play being is doing something yeah. that's voluntary and that playing could be any matter of it, it, mm. it just it could be completely 
uh, platonic, it could be sexual, it could be whatever the things are, but having the courage to speak your yeah. desires and the, the desire is really right. wanting to see the joy, giving yourself permission to seek the joy that you want. And that, that is really, that's it right there. Yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. That's the game right there is seeking your joy. Yes. Because you know, when you talk about, I don't, do you know who David Hawkins is and his work? He wrote a book called um, Letting Go Pathways to Surrender. This is one of the best books ever. I mean, ever. He talks about um, how words have energetic vibration and how those energetic vibrations more or less um, correspond to different states of our consciousness. And so at the top, you've got peace, which is like out there, right? And love and joy. And these are all your high vibrations. Those are all the high vibrations. The lower vibrations that go down into the, like the cone is literally at the very bottom is like shame. So it's like the cone of shame. And as it as you grow and get wider and wider, it goes up into peace, right? So it's, and it's like the duality between shame and peace. And like, where are we on this? Yeah. And then it has a vibration attached to it that's actually a, an imprint on at a cellular level. So you can remove those kinds of things with just, um, positive affirmation, different um, essences of flowers and trees and leaves and barks vibrate at, at frequencies that are in connection to these words and 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 in that frequency and it's just like it's beautiful when you say that what it makes me Go think about is is the um you talk about the, the top of the vibe what's the name of the book one more time His um it's letting Wait. go pathways to surrender letting go pathways to surrender we talk about peace david hawkins yeah um what it makes me think about is if you do think of the energy shame is very constricting it mer it makes you want to shrink and protect yes peace if you think of peace what is it That's wide right. open arms right and then just that just in wide open yeah right. you feel that peace but you think about that peace is is accepting of all things and and it's funny because the exact opposite of peace is, is shame which is the unaccepting of yourself which is the smallest con constriction That's right so it seems like that 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 makes sense that they're polar opposites along that path and uh going you know looking at that you know helping people to move up that pathway to, to get peace first with themselves and then with other people again bringing it back to the podcast you know really you have to make peace with your own words and your own um foibles as you go through here and it's not perfect and it's not going to be true you know and putting it all out there i'm sure <clears throat> people that listen to this they'll have all types of comments and criticisms and things like that as as we go through <laughs> it okay at peace with that is part of the things of, of, of accepting yourself and accepting that not everyone's going to resonate with who you are and what you do. And that's, that's perfectly okay. It's true. Um, it is okay. I mean, they, they might not be on my path, you know, they might not be on your path and, and that's okay too. It's, it's perfectly acceptable. Every I'm okay with me. This is the thing. Like before I, before I had this nine year journey to be right here in, in this, like have that marriage, have that experience with the kids, have that career, have that schooling, have all of those experiences that leads me here, you know, I didn't like myself. So, you know, I can sit here and say that I like myself today. 
That is so powerful. That, that is, honestly, if you really, the, you know, one of the things I've always was having challenge with is like, how do I pleasantly make progress without, you know, whipping myself to move forward, right? And, and using like self-hatred and loathing and all those other negative, oh, yeah. easy, sexy energies to get yourself out of bed by Punishment shape. and self-incrimination. And now all that stuff, it does get you moving. Yeah. But it's, very, it's very destructive along the path. And so that finding ways to love yourself just opens up a world of being able to love other people and, and all of that. But the thing is with putting out your message and voice is that not everyone's going to want to play your game. And that's the whole point of games. Games are voluntary. That is the, one of the number one rules of a game. It's voluntary. So people voluntarily listen to this or whatever they want to. And everyone's got their own and people resonates with the right people. And then you'll seek that frequency of people, you know, people that are, highly tribal you're going to find those versus people that are you know you know unity focused and you know they're gonna you're gonna resonate with the people that you resonate with whether it's in small groups and one-on-one or, or digitally online yeah. so um but you know I, I, I you know i love your message it's I, exciting yeah it's 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 important stuff to love yourself and, and, to, and to connect it's just it takes a lot of work <laughs> if you don't you don't get out the gate well, with it, it takes process and that's the thing you got to be willing to commit well, here's the thing. I like, I love that you even said that because I broke down the word commitment, you know, cause this is where I got off track, right? Like I made a commitment to this marriage and really I made it outside of me because again, it was the marriage, but really it was a commitment to myself. But the place I chose it from was like duty and have to, which have all these low vibrational experiences. So of course the relationship would be nasty and heavy when, and not nasty in the good way, PS, when, when you flip that over, you get at the top of the word commitment is dedication and devotion. And when you're in devotion, you're in your high self. That is that place that I'm talking about. If it's not making my heart bloom, it's not making your heart bloom by all means think twice and think, three times because that's that's the that's the caliber if it's if it doesn't feel good I'm interested in pleasure and lots of it in my one fine life that I have left after you know before me it 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 gets to be exquisite (laughs) I've already had and I mean I've already had the like I'm gonna say this word it's probably not the most fabulous but whatever the the mediocre mediocre version of what it looks like I already know how to do that I even made that good so it's like now what yeah yeah and sometimes you got to go down a path to see what in, to taste things and sample things to see what it's like to realize it's not for you right whatever that might be that's and, right you got to be able to give whatever yourself- that might be you, you, you hit a, you can, <laughs> they have, they have, not every journey is going to have a straight path. And sometimes we're going to, we're going to veer off and we're going to, we're going to go on detours. The whole point of a journey is to not have it be a straight path, but the winding road, but, you know, heading towards that, you know, that mountaintop, whatever that thing is. And um, one of my last questions for you, I'd, love to, I'd be curious about is seeking the joy and, and making the pleasure exquisite and, 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 you know, the journey that you're on is, do you have a holy grail for all of this? Is there a, do you have a final destination or a thing in mind for this? When you say that, what do you mean? Like a holy grail and a final what, destination? What you mean is this, is that you, you, you're on a journey, you're on a personal journey of one self-acceptance and love, and then also communication 
to help people along this path as a, as a mentor who's gone around the ring and you could say in terms of the spiritualness, psychology, marriage, all of that, and you're helping others on this path and journey. Now, whether it's with the yes. podcast or with it's helping people or with, with it's just having your voice, is there a holy grail that you're seeking for this? Is there something along this thing that if you obtain this thing, this, this is what's going to make it a, a, a worthy journey? No, I think the journey itself is worthy. I mean, even all of that stuff that I went through, uh, that's what I was saying. Like, it's been beautiful along the way. I mean, I, in um, my experience, every place that I was out of integrity with myself, I went back to, to make it right for me. Like, make it right for me. And so in starting, it's like anything that's not complete gets to be complete and I get to start over in a way that feels good for me. And I think it's, I think living for me is that simple. Am I moving from my joy? Am I being curious? Am I playing? Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Am I playing? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> living in your joy, following your bliss, as he would yeah. say. And no, I think it's well, I mean, I have a, I, I, I love that you said following in your bliss. I mean, even that I took the word bliss and I took the word discipline and I chopped off the, the D I and put on the B L I S and like made bliss a plan. So like, does it, <laughs> I teach people how to do hard shit and have it feel good. Uh, and create beauty along the way. It's that listen, simple. That's great. I, I love making up words and claim them as our own. So I, I we have various part of my company. So uh, um, one of them is like uh, we have is um, both collaborating and caring. We call it care collaboration. That's one of them. Collaboration. So we have, you are such a. That's hot. We have we have various <laughs> words over here that that kind of make up who we are. Um, but. Uh, but when you broke that off, I was like, yes, I love it when people go. Because again, it's just, it's one, it's playful. And two, it's meaningful. And three, no one can take their own connotations and attach it on. It's your word. And so you can make it whatever you yeah. want it to be without society or anybody saying, no, it has to be this. You can like, make it whatever you want, which is, which is beautiful and playful. So, Is that part of your messaging in your business, the collaboration? It's part of the value set that we hold at the company. Um, it's nothing that we I love it. Advertise. There's a couple of other value sets that we follow, which I won't necessarily get into this right now, but it's we, we try to yeah. look, we try to say, okay, we came together as founders and we said, what are the things that drive us? And then we looked at the things that we drove us and we wrote those things down. It's like, what is all in common here? We kind of group these things in the bundle mm -hmm. into words. It's okay, well, it's really kind of like this and kind of like this and kind of smushed those things together um, for each of us. And we kind of represent each of those different pieces while we all have one dominant section there's other ones that we go into and we can tell if we're living outside of our values because it would be contradictory to you know if we're being antagonizing so it's not very collab collaborative right if uh you know we're not yeah. very you know we have other ones like brave venture and things like that that you know that really um embody who we who we want to be and so um oh my goodness i love it when you combine these types of words it's, it's a powerful it's a powerful thing and um so what I'd love is, is um, um, getting towards the end of this. If people want to get a hold of you before you come out with the podcast, because I know 
we're going to go through this and after this i'm going to kind of show you what my process looks like we're we're going from audio to video now so um we'll, we're going to book some time in the next week or so to go through the whole process show you how it all works show you what it looks like um so that you can set up your own version. Cool. in the meantime one um you, how do people get a hold of you too uh, do you have a working title of the name of your podcast? It's okay if you don't, but I figure I'd give you a chance to throw it out there and call to you. <laughs> well, um, I have something I'm kicking around, but I don't think I have the courage to say it out loud yet. It's <laughs> all voluntary. So, oh yeah. So I like um, I like the idea that. Um, yeah, I just I I haven't checked in with Spirit on it. It it came actually right as as right before we got on to have this conversation. So there's that piece. But I can tell you that a part of it says spiritual turn on. Spiritual turn on. Oh nice. Right. That's yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um it, it definitely will uh fall in your bliss and bliss of plan and all those other things. Like, I, it, I, it's all very much a spiritual turn on and that and I could I could see it resonate with that message. So I think it's beautiful. Yeah. How do how do people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Well, I'm on Instagram at Celia um, Love Ambassador, and um, my email is Celia at in the pursuit of wow dot com. And of course, people can call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. I um that's been my when I first started my business, I don't know, in 2000, I'm going to say it's, uh, that's been it's in the pursuit of wow. And that's been my, I think that's like my mission. That's, that's my mission. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Pursuing wow. Yeah. Thank you. And so, yeah, I want to wow myself. I think that's the whole, I mean, you don't know this about me, but, uh, well, actually you do. Cause I said it earlier, but in my interiors, you know, I used to dress windows and I was in retail beforehand. So um, I was a retail store manager, but I handled all of the setups for the windows. And my job was to make sure that like they lured customers in. And so it's like the window dressing, you know, um, and there's, I'm also an award-winning window designer. Like that's part of my design business is literally at the window. I make really beautiful creations um, and <laughs> I do, it's true. <laughs> um, and just loving the home, right? Like loving the home and the drapery. And they say that the eyes are the window to the soul, but it's the windows are actually the soul to the home, ironically enough. So there's this like, yeah, you know, there's this really beautiful desire that I have to create beauty. And I'm always wanting to like impress myself, I guess, with like, what could I think of next that nobody else is doing? This drives my brain. Mm -hmm. And I look at things when I see things that are interesting and just like how I digest them and then how I articulate that in my own creativity. And yeah, I'm highly, mm -hmm. um, I always say like I'm pregnant with an idea because like it, there's like I'm a mother of creation. It's always something inside of me that wants to be born. It seems for the top of the bed or at the drapery at the window um, 
or in a fabric. There's just all of this power. There's like power in the creative experience of being able to weave things together that other people wouldn't necessarily put together, but I know how to make it work. So interesting. You know, I'm not technologically inclined so much like with the technology and I'm also learning that. However, there is a part of me that has this internal genius that just is able to come into the world in a really specific manner. And that's where the name of my business came from in the pursuit of wow. Incredible. <laughs> Design studio. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole, I mean, people that are creative, they can be creative in any field. You, you give them the tools to play. That's what I say. So you just, you, you will know, make it happen. That's yeah, right. Whatever whether it's designing or anything. I mean, before I was in virtual reality, I was, you know, I was designing burgers, right? And I was just, so that, that, that it's just, there's a certain, yeah. natural, um, some people are, have that creativeness, you know, everybody can be creative, but yeah. some people have a, just a, an, a, a hunger to pursue that. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's right. And, that's and it is a hunger. There is something inside. Like I can't, I can't really explain what that is, but you and I talked about in our first conversation about how we both love to cook and I actually thought I would be a chef. I thought I was, I thought my sweet self was going to like a cooking school and like I was going to have a restaurant and that may still happen. I don't know. And instead, um, I took the principles of design because they apply to cooking too. And I just applied them. I applied them to the house. I mean, it, they're all the same, you know, Late setting texture on the palette is like uh, a texture on the eye when I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm, I'm just, it is, it's true. And it's just exactly what you said. You can take any medium and have it be, have it be delicious when you're creative. You can. 100%. Well, I, I, I look forward yeah. to sampling your podcast when it comes out and is live. I love that. <laughs> Well, I have a deadline. It has to be live by February. So well, it's public now. <laughs> I think it'll happen. Yeah. I think it'll it's happen. Public now. Is that what you said? It's, it's going to, it's going to go live on this podcast. So, you know, we will be public. For well, that. it's true. I love that. <laughs> He's got me out. <laughs> I get uh, to, it's true. Julia, have a beautiful day. This has been wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for your time, and, and I look forward to helping you on your journey of podcasting. Thank you. I appreciate you just saying yes to being part of my journey and all of the grace that you show and give and your generosity of spirit. I think I said that to you when we talked before, but it really is just so beautiful to be helped by you in this experience. You know, it, uh, my pleasure, honestly, just listening to you talk. Again, I, you know, I'm... I'm here to help people on their own journeys and it, you, you instantly sounded like you're on the heroic path. And so however I could help and be of assistance, I'm more than happy to, you have a beautiful message and any way we can get that out is, is, is a wonderful thing. So, um, you know, have a, have a, a blessed and beautiful day and uh, I'll be seeing you later. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Bye you. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the heroes of reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.